Today on First Lady and Friends, we had a great conversation with Sharon Eubank, the Director of Humanitarian Services for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She's doing incredible work in countries all over the world and here in the United States around humanitarian services, around maternal and infant health. It was a great conversation. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. I'm so excited about this episode today. We've been having a great visit already, but I have the one, the only Sharon Eubank here on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. It's so fun. I'm so excited that you're here. I've admired you for so many years and um, just have watched the work you've done. And it's just I've, it's it's truly inspiring. So um and, and there's a lot of crossover in the stuff that we're doing. But before we get into that, let's talk about um, you, where you grew up, and um, just all your experiences as a child coming to this point in your life. I know that's so boring. <laughs> I don't have anything that's you know as interesting in my life as other people. But. <laughs> no, I think so. I think you are. So tell me, tell me where you grew up and, and um, a little bit about your family. So my Parents and I are originally Californians, but my dad, who was a local weatherman on, in Utah on TV, came to the University of Utah when he had three kids to get his meteorology degree. So we moved to Utah with the intent that we would just stay for two years and then go right back to California. And as a family, we fell in love with Utah and we stayed ever since. Mm, oh, I love that. Um, I think that's a story of a lot of people, frankly. Um, so where did you go to school? So I grew up in Bountiful. And I went to Bountiful High, and my parents bought a 10-acre plot of land. And, you know, it was – it sounds old time, but they had a big orchard, and they mm -hmm. planted a tree farm. And we were just kind of half-rural kids, and it was really a good way to grow up. Yeah, and that's – I mean, people probably don't think of Bountiful as rural right now but because <laughs> it's grown so much. Yeah. But that's – it's such a beautiful – and Davis County is great. Um, Davis County – that's where my parents grew up in Davis County. And um, so it was a huge farming community. Um, a long time ago, and then it's just kind of what that really tells you is how old I am. <laughs> well, I know. So even when we were there, you know, Spencer and I lived in Fruit Heights for a couple of years, and it was a lot of orchards. And I and that was, you know, twenty ish years ago. Oh gosh, it's been that long. I know it's ago. that's so crazy. Um, but but I've even seen like a lot of those orchards have gone away and yeah. stuff too. Yeah. So it's such there's, a crazy thing. There's, this is a time of growth in, in Utah and, mm -hmm. and it was different then, but that, it was a nice way to grow up. Mm. Oh, I love that. And okay, so then Bountiful High and then what? Uh, I Like a lot of people, I went to Brigham Young University and I studied English. Mm. And so my specialties coming out of that were English as a second language and editing. But I was like a lot of people who take a liberal arts degree. I had studied my passion, but I didn't know how to translate it into a job. I didn't know how to make that, you know, applicable. So at the BYU library, there was a there was a advertisement for come teach English in Japan, mm. and I, you know, contacted them, and that was my first job out of university. Wow. So I, I went to a small town called Suzuka, but it happens to be the birthplace of Honda. Oh, and kidding. my students were families that were being transferred by Honda to Ohio or Australia or England on a crash course of how to learn enough English to get there. Wow. So it was really a fun thing for me. I got to love those families. They taught me about Japan, and I got to help them with English. So how long were you there? Uh, different ways, but a year in total. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. 
That's incredible. Um, I think such great opportunities. I keep, I keep talking about, you know, from my kids and, you know, giving them, uh, giving people, kids or, or young people opportunities outside of Utah, outside of the States, you know, in a foreign country. I think it gives us a lot of perspective, don't you? I do. I'd served an LDS mission in Finland, which, mm-hmm. you know, gives you a European perspective. Mm-hmm. But to have an Asian perspective is very, very different. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciated that my students would open up enough to me to share some of that. And, and I can give it an example. I'd have a class of like seven-year-olds and, and I'd say, tell me, tell me, Abby, what your favorite color is. And there would be a group discussion about what the group would say would be their favorite color. They're going to, they're going to come to consensus. Mm. There, it, it would be impolite for one individual to impose their opinion on the entire group. And that was fascinating to me to, to learn something like that. Wow. That's, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking about our, our current political uh-huh. <laughs> system and, and, you know, that consensus. And, and I think we could use a, a lot of that. It's right very now. different from American individualism of mm-hmm. I will tell you what is important to me and then maybe we'll see if we can find common ground. So I really learned just interesting things at, at a very low level about group cooperation and consensus building and, and the time it takes to be able to do that just from English class. Hmm. That is that is actually really fascinating to me. Um, so, how do you how do some of those experiences do you think translates into what you're doing now and how you're uh, all the things that you're working on now? If I look back on my career, I had three big jobs before I came to do what I'm doing now: mm-hmm. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and as being a teacher and not. You have to be able to have an individual approach and to be able to say, what's really needed right here? I know what the lesson plan says, but what's really needed for this person to progress? Mm -hmm. That skill set, along with consensus building that I learned from that experience in Japan, those two things have been really pivotal for me to be able to find out before I go in with my assumed you know, solution to your what I think is your problem. Let me really talk to you and find out and listen, what is the actual root problem and ask a bunch of questions to get down to that before we ever start talking about solutions. So I was really grateful that early on in my career, I learned some skills about how to do that. Mm, That's amazing. Do you, what do you, I mean, I'm trying to think about like my own experience. How would you, what would you tell somebody uh, right now about, uh, you know, maybe in your position that many years ago, what would you say to somebody as they were kind of starting their career and and, you know, as the experiences you had, how, how would you advise them to, you know, get outside of themselves and, and have these experiences? Well, the other two major experiences that I had was uh, when I left Japan, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I became a, a legislative aide in the United States Senate. And that is all about compromise, about relationships, about finding common ground. And people always say, oh, they went to Washington and they just sold out. You know, they became – they were compromised. But, but the whole – idea of the way our democracy works is for us to each give a little bit so that we get something that is important to everybody. Mm. And so I I learned uh, those kinds of skills, which has been also very helpful to me as a humanitarian. When you're working with governments, Mm -hmm. and they may or may not be perfect examples of the way governments ought to work for lots of different reasons, what are they doing well and what can you augment? What what Mm -hmm. can you do? Mm -hmm. And then the third thing was I owned a small business in Provo. When I left the uh, Washington government, I opened a business in Provo. And what I learned from that is 
you got to find a way that isn't money or cash to solve some of these problems because mm. you don't have a lot of cash. Mm. So what, without money, what can I do to solve those? So those three things, really listen to what people need. Don't be afraid to compromise and build on common ground. And it doesn't always mean cash. You know, what, what else can you do? The, the, the advice I would give somebody is don't get locked into certain channels of what you learned at school about what's going to be successful. Don't be afraid to follow some of the learnings that you're having because you will learn specific skills that will help you not just in that instance, but 25 years down the road. Mm, That's so great. Um, I think so many of our, of our young people are starting to, um, you know, I think it's really important. I think our, our, you know, our young people are, are probably better at it than we were. I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see that, you know, there's, there's more of a creativity. There's more of a curiosity, I hope with people, um, as, as they're going through this, um, as they're trying to figure out what they want to do and how they, you know, how they want to contribute. And I love that you did that. Um, I want to get into, um, what you're doing right now and, and the, and the important things that you're working on. Uh, so we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here with Sharon Eubank on First Lady and Friends, and um, we're having a great conversation. Let's, I, I'm so intrigued about what you do because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around um, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints and their humanitarian efforts. I mean, I think a lot of us see it. Um, if you're, if you're a member of the church, it's, you know, you, you, you see it in the church news, you see it in the, in the, um, in the way we, you know, do it with missionaries and we see all this. But I think that's just, I'm assuming that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I think what you see and what you guys are doing and what you're working on is huge. So maybe we probably don't have to have time to go into everything, but let's hit the highlights of your work um, in in uh, the church philanthropies. And first, maybe give your, your full, <laughs> the organization's title. So I'm... I'm the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Humanitarian Services. Okay. Philanthropies is the group that um, solicits funds from donors to fund BYUs, and they also do some funding for, for humanitarian services. Okay. But, but we are really humanitarian services. Mm-hmm. Our legal entity is called Latter-day Saint Charities. We can't register as a church. We have to have a, a registration as an NGO. But it's important to know we're not really an NGO. Uh, we really are an expression of... Christian faith that wants to show evidence of our the way we love God and the way we love other people. Not so that people will become Christians like us, but so that we can give evidence of our Christianity, that we really care, sincerely care about other people mm-hmm. without any regard to race, religion, you know, political persuasion, tribe, anything like that. We love people because they're children of God. Mm, I love that. That's such a, it's, it's beautiful. And, and I think it probably lends well to what you're doing because I think people are very receptive of that throughout the world. Um, so tell me, yeah, a little bit about what, what your projects are, what you're working on and, and kind of what the organization does. We live in a time when people kind of are, are distancing themselves from big organizations. That's, that's just a, a thread that runs through our culture. Yeah, the, the, the institutions, the crumbling of institutions, we've talked about that a lot. And, and, and to the detriment, I think, of, of a lot of our, uh, the good things that go on in the world. Well, there's a couple things that organizations bring to a collective group of individuals that allow them to, to scale. Mm-hmm. So one of the great things about participating as a Latter-day Saint or a friend of Latter-day Saints is 
if I participate in this humanitarian work, my small contribution gets leveraged because it's collected with a whole bunch of mm. other people. And I can do something really meaningful in the world. Mm. And, and there's also an organization around that. People that are every day, you know, having relationships with governments or great other partners and, and finding out who really are the very best people. And then how can we work toward them in a way that an individual living in a specific location may never have the opportunity to find out. So those are the things we're trying to leverage on behalf of individuals so that their 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 small donations or their big donations have a gr- the greatest impact possible. And that's what I go to sleep and wake up every morning worrying about so that we, we really are true to the people who fund us with their $10 or their 50 cents or, you know, the, the money that they give every every week on the tithing slip. All of that collectively makes an enormous impact. Mm. So talk a little bit about some of the projects that that you've been involved in. Maybe recently, I assume there's, I mean, there's a number of them, but what's been going on recently? The humanitarian work has really grown in the 25 years that I've been doing it. And we've, we've moved from, you know, doing a lot of small projects to these major initiatives that were about wheelchairs and, and vision care and maternal newborn care. But as we've grown, we've really said to the 22 regional offices, you know what's best in your area. So we're going to allow you to have a budget and work on that. But there will be one global priority that was set by the president of the church, and it's the well-being of children under five. Mm-hmm. So we really want that the mother and the baby have a healthy birth and that she survives and the baby survives. And that that baby uh, is breastfed, that it gets its immunizations, that it has access to clean water so it doesn't you know, die of diarrheal diseases. And it gets access to proper nutrition so the brain can develop. Mm-hmm and then enters primary school. If we could get kids from zero to five to have that trajectory, a lot of the other humanitarian issues that we work on later on in life would be addressed early on. So we, we know it's, it's an issue all over the world, including the United States. Those are, mm-hmm. those are issues that have relevance here. And it's the one priority that we've uh, taken on globally as a church. And the president of the church said to the Relief Society, by the way, you're the face of this. Mm. So the women of the church have been given the responsibility to work in their communities, make the connections, and see what we can do uh, together. And I, I appreciate, you know, having been in the Relief Society, that, that we have a responsibility there. Mm. So you said there's 22 regional offices, Are they, I assume, around the world. These are around the world, and they are they correspond with the area offices. So wherever okay. there's an area presidency, we call that a regional office of the okay. church. And so, when you say okay, we're so he said so the president sets the priority, and and that it's that you know the things you just laid out. So how how are some of these being translated? How what does this look like on the ground in some of these areas? So I can give you an example in the United States because I think it's it's really interesting. In 1868, Utah had such a high infant mortality rate. Kids were dying for lots of different reasons. And the way that we addressed that as a state was the governor, who was Brigham Young, talked to the Relief Society president, who was Eliza R. Snow, and they said, you know what would help? If we would send women to go get medical degrees and then come back and train people. So they sent six women from Utah back east to go to medical degrees. They all came back five years later, and then they trained a core of nurses, midwives, and the infant mortality rate went down because they learned those practices. From our own experience, we want to go out into the world and say to ministries of health, you have a high infant mortality rate. What are the reasons why? Let's find out, and then we'll organize with you in the ministry and find out 
what what resources do you need to to work on that? And so sometimes we'll send professional medical people to work with their colleagues. Uh, sometimes we'll send equipment. Sometimes they need incubators. It, it's it's very different what they need. But that ability, all the capacity that's in little infants that are born, to save that capacity for the benefit of the world, and simple medical things that just need to be observed. We lived it as a state, mm-hmm. and we're happy to to translate that experience to help other people. Interesting. So how does that – I mean, I'm thinking about – so um, our, we just – Spencer just became the NGA chair and previously he was the vice chair and he was um, the the vice chair to Governor Murphy and his wife, Tammy Murphy, Phil and Tammy Murphy um, of New Jersey. And her NGA initiative, along with his, was mental youth mental health and hers was around maternal health and infant health. And you know, she she and I talked a lot about it, and I attended some of the convenings that they did around it. Um, how, I guess, she talked a lot about the disparities between um, people of color. Are you seeing that, and how how are how are these different areas addressing that? I'm so glad you asked about that because to me, it's unconscionable in a in a country that is the United States that we are like 17th when it comes to maternal uh, deaths. And a lot of that has to do with black and brown women who live in inner cities who either don't get the proper care that they should or they're reluctant to seek it because of, of different you know prejudices and biases. And those are things that we can address. Mm-hmm. So we're right now, the church is right now in a partnership with Health and Human Services and a coalition of people in two years in 50 cities around the United States to train doulas. Doulas is a, is a name that, you know, it's basically a birth attendant, but somebody who can be an advocate for that inner city mother as she goes through her pregnancy, as she goes through the delivery and afterwards, so that she can get connected to the services that she needs and kind of go through those barriers. I can get behind that all day long. It's very similar to what we do, but it has a U.S. twist and it'll help. It'll really help uh, reduce some of that that uh, maternal mortality. Can you imagine going through a pregnancy and being so excited the family and then losing the mother in in the birth process or losing the baby? It's just it's just so sad. Yeah, and and you know I sat we we actually were in um, New Jersey um, a, a month ago and we were we were at a hospital and we were talking about this and they were talking about the doulas and I'm t- like I mean I've had five babies and I have never I, I never heard of such a thing. And, and, you know, actually when they started explaining it to me, I thought, huh, it's basically like my sister, <laughs> you know, like if you don't have, if I didn't have seven sisters, yeah. if I didn't have two older sisters that told me how to do things and help me to plan things and help me to do things, what would I do? What would I do without my mom or my, you know, and I guess to me, a doula seemed like a, a, a sister, that was there um, figuring it out with you, being an advocate, being a mama bear for you. Um, and so I, I loved that idea. And it's it's something that was new to me, uh, which I thought was really incredible. I love that work. Um, you know, people may have a reaction to the word doula because they have an impression about what it means. But we have to do something different than we're doing now. We're right. not reaching the goal that we need to reach now. So however you feel about that service, here's something that we can try. And we'll learn something and we'll keep trying and, yeah. But like you said, I love that you would say it's a, it's like a sister. Yeah. To me, the, you know, I just sat there in this meeting and thought, 
all the things they're describing was, you know, something I would I would lean on my sister for yeah. um, and that my sister's, uh, you know, plural. I have seven of them. So you're lucky. <laughs> I know I am very lucky. Um, and I, you know, they're my best friends. And I talk to him about this and I ask him about that. And, you know, I sat there and listened to that meeting. I thought just like what I would have done with my it's what I did with my sisters. It's how I you know, it's all the questions I asked them. It's how, you know, how my sister stepped up with me and helped me through the process and my mom and my, you know, my grandma. And, you know. Yeah, and in this instance, it would be a sister who really understands all the resources out there that can yes, help you get connected. Exactly. <laughs> a little a little more uh, educated sister on on these particular issues. And so I think that was that was really great. Um, yeah. Tell me uh, I want I want to get more into some of the other projects that you're doing. And we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends with Sharon Eubank with the Church of Jesus Christ Humanitarian Services. Before we get off the topic of maternal health, I want to talk. I want to go back to doulas just for a minute, and I want you to talk a little bit about that training. I just I don't want to give the idea that we're not that these aren't trained professionals and certified. So talk a little bit maybe about that process. The heart of the project that we're doing with the with the partnership is to train doulas and certify them so that they can interact with hospitals and medical professionals uh, in a way that's acceptable to everybody. And you want to be able to vet them. You want to make sure they have the right kind of training. So we're really interested in the certification process and then connecting them up with hospitals and clinics where they can really help the, the women that they're serving get the services. Perfect. So, and you've, you've talked about getting upstream of some of, of the major problems in the world. Um, and and the, one of the best things that we can do is, is our babies mm. and our mamas. We need to take care of our babies and our mamas or we're just – that's that's the only way to get upstream of this. So maybe talk a little bit about some of the other ways um, that the humanitarian services are getting upstream of some of our of the issues that we're seeing. Humanitarian services has five parts. It has emergency response. It has this work that we're doing, you know, in, in the regional offices that I talked about. It has the perpetual education fund, which is helping people with education. Uh, and, and we're we're pivoting to to kind of focus on primary education because mm-hmm. there's a need, there's a gap there that nobody's addressing. But this last piece is on community engagement or community involvement. So if I'm listening to the podcast, my first question is, I love that. What I wonder what I could do. People want to get involved, and we we talk about opportunities that are on Just Serve. Just Serve is a platform you can put in your zip code, and all the opportunities for you to get involved come up. We recognize people's time is limited, but they also want to do something. And rather than give cash only or just give commodities, we have all kinds of people with expertise and time that could get involved in their community and make their community stronger. Mm. And to me, that is the greatest thing that that uh, humanitarian services has to offer anybody. It's our people, our people. And that will help us address uh, upstream, as you've been talking about, because we understand what's going on in our community. We understand who the players are. We know what their gaps are. We know what we can do. And then we're getting involved the way Eliza Snow and Brigham Young would. You know what we need? We need six doctors. We're going to raise the money and we're going to bring them back in, whatever the thing is. And they're women. <laughs> and they're, they're women. <laughs> I love that. I love that. How, who did that in the 1800s? Nobody. Nobody was doing that in the 1800s. Now, I know that we get a lot of crap about, and I probably shouldn't say that word. I know we get a lot of guff about... Um, you know, and we do have our issues here in Utah, you know, wage gap and, and different things that we're seeing. But I'm telling you, we have a legacy 
of of women that are forward thinking that are are doing the things to uplift our communities and i love that you're doing that with with the organization um what else what else am i missing what are the some of the other um areas that you've that you've been working in and that that are helping our communities um i would just say and i'm going to push a little bit on volunteerism because a lot of people will will say i'm going to go I don't know, I'm going to go to some other country and I'm going to help build a school or I'm going to put in a water ring. And we, we sometimes feel like that is the most noble thing that we can do because it's far away and we, we see things in the news. And it's it's a good thing, but it only lasts for the week that you're there. Mm. And I'm always looking for where can I be the most powerful? I'm the most powerful in my own community. I speak the language. I have the relationships. I understand the culture. And I'm there for a long period of time. So I always want to encourage people, if you see something on the news and you want to do something, start right now where you live. Take your kids with you. Go out. And if you don't know what to do, meet with your school and meet with your mayor. Mm. And and just ask them, what what are you worried about at night? And what could a citizen do to help? And you'll come out of there with your brain just on fire Mm. of things that you and your family would be able to do. And that's where the power is. Oh, I love that so much. And and you're just... You're speaking my language because I think that's, you know, what we've been trying to do with Show Up and, and our service organization is really connect communities. I think the, the the way we serve in our communities matters. And, you know, especially we've been we just finished our teacher conference. We're so happy about the way that turned out. And one of the things that I always tell our educator advocates, the, the leaders that we invite to to share this experience with us and our teachers is really like, how do we how do you how do you make your school better? How do you make a teacher's life easier? Just ask them. <laughs> ask your teachers. I love that you said go into your schools. Um, go into the school, ask your teacher what they need, whether it's, you know, maybe I just need you to come be on on recess duty so I can take a break. Maybe, you, you know, if you could come for, you know, be in the lunchroom so that I can actually get a lunch or, you know, maybe it's running a reading group once a, once a week or something like that. Um, I love that. You know, it doesn't have to be far away. It doesn't have to be something crazy. It doesn't have to take money. It just takes a little bit of time. And, I, you know, I think that's what's been fun about Utah and working in this space is there, I mean, everybody's looking for ways to serve. And that's what's really cool about it. What other ways? So just serve. Is there any other ways um, that you, or advice that you give people that are ready to get involved? Well, you and I ran across each other in junior achievement. We were both yeah. out at Edison Elementary School. Yeah. We were both working that day. And that was really fun for me to be able to see that. And one of the reasons we were there was... We need more organizations to post their opportunities on JustServe so that there's a lot of variety for everybody's uh, opportunities. You can put in your zip code and, you know, 50 things will come up, but your circumstances are are what they are. And so you're looking for the right fit. So if people, if you're an organization and you think you could use volunteers in a really meaningful way, you can go to JustServe.org. You can go to About Us and scroll down to the bottom and just say, contact me and help me learn how to post a project. And somebody will call you in a couple days and they'll help you get set up. And now we've got a great match between people who want to volunteer, people who have volunteer opportunities. And it's free and anybody can use it and they're not going to use your information for anything except for that volunteer uh, or uh, opportunity. So it's it's a pretty win-win for everybody. It's so great. I don't think people fully grasp this. And we've tried to say on here because we work with Just Serve a lot. And I, I had a sister-in-law who was the stake young women's president. And she 
she asked me, do you know of any, they were going to be at their youth conference and they said, do you, do you know of any service projects or something we could do? We're going to be down in San Juan County around Mm -hmm. Bluff. And I said, have you looked on Just Serve? (laughs) So I pulled up Just Serve and I said, there are like five things in that area that they're looking for. And so I sent them to her and said, you can do these. So it really is that easy. And I love the I love the pitch, and and I'll I'll echo that, is that if there are organizations that need volunteers, what we've done with our service fair at Thanksgiving Point um, is we connect families that are looking to serve with organizations that have opportunities. And we're sort of our mini Just Serve, but Just Serve is also part of our service fair um, where they can come and actually interact with certain organizations that are looking for volunteers and and commit to volunteer for them. So I think you're exactly right. We're on the same page of, you know, there's so we got to harness. We've got to harness the good people in the state of Utah um, because they want to help which is really cool. Just Serve is a, is a tool. It's a way for people to you know, come across that. And people always ask, why is the church sponsoring that? What's the, what's the real reason that yeah. you're actually doing that? And the thing that I always tell them is, we're a proselytizing church. We're not going to hide that. But that's not the only thing that we do. And when we look into society and we realize how people are being pushed into tinier and tinier boxes mm-hmm. of you don't agree with me on politics or faith or you know political persuasion or orientation or all these different things and pretty soon we're completely isolated in boxes mm-hmm. that isn't healthy for society and we we get paralyzed this is a way service is a way for us to say I don't agree with you on eight of those things, but I can agree with you on our school. So so let's work together on something. And the reason that we've stood it up as a platform for the whole community to use is we want to weave social fabric back together. Mm. We, we feel like if you want to make a difference in government and in communities 50 years from now, people have to learn how to cooperate when they don't agree. Yep. And, and that's okay. And here's one way of doing that. That's the real reason that we've stood it up. That's what we really care about. I love that. And, and, you know, I've, we've seen that firsthand. Um, we've seen that, you know, when Spencer and I were campaigning in probably, and I'm sure we'll have even more. I hope not. I hope we're trying really hard to, to set an example to make sure that the country is not more divisive and there's not more division going on. But, um, but you're exactly right. We're seeing um, just tribalism at its worst. And what, what we saw as we went around to all 248 cities and towns in the state to do service and, and to connect with people was that when you're serving, that stuff doesn't matter. When you're there with your roots in your community, when you're, you know, it doesn't matter if the person with the shovel next to you is a Democrat or a Republican or a, or belongs to, you know, another faith in you that has a different race. It doesn't matter. You're both, you're all there um, making roots, growing roots in your community and bringing people together. So I love that. It's awesome. When there's a terrible emergency, one of the things that you have to do is to build the community back. Mm -hmm. And so as a humanitarian, we always think about certain things. We think about music because it's very healing Mm -hmm. and you can't participate in a choir or an orchestra without 
listening to each other and playing, <laughs> playing the rules. And sports is the same thing. If you can put different people from different tribes or, or politics on a, on a team sport and suddenly they're rooting for each other and they're cooperating, it builds those skills mm. back together. And service is another thing that's like that. When we serve together, like you said, when we stand by each other and you're celebrating Ramadan and I'm getting ready for Easter and we talk about that a little yeah. bit, our prejudices come down and we learn something. And that's, yeah. that's important. Yep, that's exactly right. So thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, again, we can, we love to plug Just Serve because it's, it's, it's a fantastic way to connect. Again, people that ha- need volunteers and volunteers looking for opportunities will continue to work with them and, and, and with you. And, and thank you for what you're doing. It, it means a lot. Um, we're ready to follow your example and and build our communities with you. So thank you again for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. You can find ways in your neighborhoods and in your communities to serve at justserve.org. Thanks for being a friend.